This is episode 69, Make Your Juvenile Jokes Now, episode of the of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. I'm Carlos, that's Dave. On this episode, I'm going to tell you why. Last weekend, I was super, super busy, and that's why we didn't record on time. Dave is going to have three random things that I already forgot, and we're going to possibly have Rolling Neymar for no reason, or maybe, maybe an actual reason. We'll see. That's all on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. Yes. 68 and a half episodes longer than I thought, Dave. We did it. Hey, man. We're living the dream. Or at Indeed. least we're living somebody's dream. Yeah, well, the good news is that no one ever sees it. So fortunately, as long as we keep living the dream and no one sees it, then we won't get in trouble. Unless you do see it, in which case, hashtag sponsor us. And then we will change whatever we need to change. So we're all legit. Yeah, we, it's like we are not, we are not above sh- shamelessly changing ourselves for money. Exactly. I'm not totally at all. willing. Not even, not even a little bit. No, no. So uh, I won't say how the week was, Dave, but let, let's do this. How was the weekend? The weekend? Hey, you know what? The Saints won and actually looked somewhat decent doing it. So I was happy with that. I heard a rumor uh, Drew Brees made a pass that was like more than six yards. Yeah, he made he made several passes that were more than six yards. I think his average for the game was like nine point something. Outrageous. Like 9.3 yards a pass or something, which, you know, for all his detractors is saying he's done, which he faced. Very well. His retractors are right. His retractors are right, Dave. Tom Brady had like 300 yards passing. That doesn't convince me anything has changed. Oh, Tom Brady. Anyway, let's not talk about him though. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, the the game the game was good in the sense that the Saints won. But you know, Detroit scored 14 unanswered to open the game, Mm -hmm. and then the Saints scored 35 unanswered. And you're like, we got this. And then uh, Detroit got it to 35 29. And then the clock ran out. Yep, pretty much. So, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it uh, because, you know, George is wearing a Saints jersey. He's worn it twice, both wins. So I feel there may be some magic in that jersey. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, Atlanta got a I know this is Monday. It's not the weekend, but Atlanta got obliterated by Green Bay, which anytime Atlanta loses, that makes me smile, too. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, and that was a fun game for me to watch because I was uh, because I sent Dave a uh, I sent Dave basically a text uh, a text that I received. Or I shouldn't say a text. I sent a picture of a uh, of a Twitter um, of a tweet that somebody sent out that basically outlined just how depleted the uh, the Green Bay receiving situation was to the point that it's like guys with no NFL experience, guys they got like uh, they got like signed that day or basically that weekend, and it was like uh, and ba- and. You know, Aaron Rodgers was still able to have him have his way with it, which is a testament to just how bad Atlanta is, really. So I guess that's the thing. Yeah. Question mark? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I suppose. Cool. Anything else for the weekend? Uh, no, I'm trying to. Th- I honestly am trying to remember what we did. And I, like it's it's apparently everything after, you know, this, before the Saints game has just kind of gone whoosh. like uh, we did some stuff on Saturday. Yeah, stuff is what good. That- what that stuff was, mm. I can't tell you because I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Fair. Well, on the weekend, I had myself a little busy time. I had to kind of delay. I couldn't uh, do the recording. Usually we do it on Saturday now. It's pretty much our recording schedule. I couldn't do it on Saturday. Well, it's not that I couldn't do it. It's just that I thought it would be ill-advised, and I'll actually explain why. So over the weekend, I have my regular YouTube channel that I do, my own channel, and I focus predominantly on sports cars. Not shocking since I incorporate that into the podcast wherever I can. But on my channel, I pretty much get to do it exclusively as much as I want, which is great. 
But uh, over the weekend, and I'll actually show you guys a little bit. So those of you that get the video version of it will get a better sense of what's going on here. But let me do a little share screen here. So on Friday, I did a live stream with a gentleman called Jordan, uh, who is at Sports Card Analytics, who does also who's also on YouTube. And we were chatting some different hobby topics and things. Now, I don't know if you can see it, Dave. Do you see this this here, this timestamp? Oh, I, hold on. Uh, sorry, I'm just I'm confused and shocked and horrid by his Cleveland Browns. Uh, memorabilia. Oh, background. I'll explain. I, I got a story about that. I'll explain. I got a story about that. Okay. So but, I'm looking at the timestamp, though. You see that? Uh, right above my cursor. Oh, sorry. No, I don't. Where's your cursor? Move it again. Yeah, the cursor is not showing up for me for some reason. Okay, fine. Regardless, sorry. take a look at <laughs> the, the effect box. that you wanted there. This is not happening. I'm sorry. Apparently. All right. So let's do this. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I know what the problem is. People, I know what the problem is. I can fix this. I know exactly what to do. Ready for this? This is what tech support will do for you. Here we go. There we go. Now here. Okay, so you talk for over three hours. I talked for three hours and 49 minutes, 0.34 seconds, Turnbull. Just shy of three hours and 50 minutes. It's a long time. It is. It is. That was on Friday. Okay? Then on Saturday, the reason was, so that's the reason why I needed to kind of relax and chill out on Saturday. Saturday was a day for me to get my errands done, to do my own business, whatever. And then Late, 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 I'll say late Saturday, early Sunday, uh, one of my associates asked me if I could come on kind of impromptu quickly to join another live stream that he does late, which is uh, a post show to a live stream he does on Saturday night. So that tells you something. So that's called After Hours. And that is this guy. So this, nice. is, this is the After Hours. So now you can see this right here. An hour and a half. So, so that is an hour between. And a half. So that is between 12.30 past midnight until basically 2 in the morning. So that's what I did on Sunday morning, effectively. So that was right after that. And then on Sunday the evening, I did this. Man, you're busy. I was. So you can see here another 2 hours and 21 minutes. So the point that I'm trying to get at is I did a lot of it, of online live streaming. So I did not have the energy to do one more thing on Saturday. Which is fair. Just wasn't happening. But yeah, no, I uh, I enjoyed it because it uh, kind of helps promote the channel and it's been getting some good viewership and it's been going. Uh, we've gotten some good feedback on some of that stuff. And I don't know if you could see it, but like one of the videos has got like 150 views. Another one got like 130, 140 views. And the other one was like 400, 500 views now. So we've done very well with those, especially that's, that's for like, impressive. yeah. And the 140, 150 is the three, the three, almost four hour live stream. And some people hung out wow. for the entire nearly four hours. They were in the chat. That's impressive. Yeah. So at that point, I can't complain if they're interactive. And the thing is, my original plan was to do about a two-hour live stream for the first one. But the other person was like, oh, well, no, nah, I still got some time if you want to chat about anything else. And I was like, all right, let's see what happens. So almost two hours later, I was like, all right, we're calling it. We're good. <laughs> I don't mind doing a four live stream. But if you're going to do that, then you have to put an intermission in there. You know, you got to find something to be like, yeah, all right, sure. you know what? We'll take a quick breather. Go get a drink. Go get a snack. Go get whatever. And then we'll be right back. That's what like they do on Twitch when they've got these streamers that do those big, long streaming sessions. You got to put a break in there somewhere. Yeah. Because almost four straight hours. And by the end of it, I was just hungry. I was starving. Oh, my God. But yeah, so that was yeah. what I did on my a lot of my weekend. That was a good chunk of it, I would say, uh, in terms of hours and doing it. So yeah, at that point, I was like, just going to relax on Saturday. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to this when we get to it. 
so we so we made plans yeah, exactly. to record midweek and uh and i think and i think we'll have some fun today so we'll definitely got a couple of things to talk about so with all that covered uh where do you want to start here we can talk a little bit about uh kind of what's going on with the mob playoffs or we can talk about anything else that caught our eye on you know on sunday or on our monday with the football uh how where about, would you like how to about, let's go rolling neymar you want yourself a pretentious cross-country running report i do my friend on episode 69, Dave needs pretentious cross-country running, and that can only mean one thing. Oh, I love that video. Yep. So... Here, here's a story for you, which I, which I find, I hope you will find this is this as interesting as I did for a variety of reasons. Uh, so there's been a lot of layoffs in football, especially in England, because they don't have any crowds and they're paying the players ridiculous amounts of money. Yes. So they're, you know, they're not making the money. So one of the victims, I should say, mm-hmm. of this is uh, Gunnar Soros, who is the mascot of Arsenal. Uh, which is the team I cheer for. And uh, he's been, it's so basically uh, he's a big green dinosaur. Trevor, just so I'm clear. Did you say Gunner Soros? Gunner Soros. Yeah. I needed a moment to register and really absorb yep. that. Gunner Soros. You know, right. he would have been fine if he had been Sir Gunner Soros. Hey, maybe, maybe he will. In England. This. How could he have not been knighted by the queen? Maybe he after has, all this is done. Proximity. So, uh, so there's a guy named Jerry. I, I don't. Kui, kui, kui. It's a Q U Y. Are you having a stroke right now? Do you <laughs> smell toast? <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that name. Q U Y. How would you say it? Q U Y. Yeah, that's his last name. I would just go with Key. Okay, so Jerry Key. Let's say. Sure. Why not? Uh, he's been Gunner Soros for 27 years. Okay, great. Okay? And one is one of 55 staff members who just lost their job. All right. Know. So they okay. they've said we're letting you go. Now, mm. here's the thing. One of the players on Arsenal has been off has now offered and said, I will pay for as long as I'm still at the club, mm-hmm. I will pay his wages. All He's right. a mascot, right? Yeah. So the so the, the player has said that. Now so, the, so, so what's he gonna do with uh, five thousand less pounds? Well, it's not even that, but <laughs> here's the here's the point. Here's the point, okay, Carlos? Uh, so it's Mesut Ozil's the player. Okay. Uh, Mesut Ozil has to get to not go into the whole story, but basically he has worked his way to the bench and then not the bench. Uh, this is guy was, you know, among the best players in the world at one point in time. Uh, and now is so much so that he train he trains by himself half the time, uh, and not with the team because the, the bridges have been burned there so much, not all his fault. Uh, management's fault as well, but mm-hmm. basically they don't want him on the team anymore, but because he makes 350,000 pounds a week, they can't get rid of his contract. Mm-hmm. So they're stuck with him. So how much time is left on his contract? Uh, I think it's like this season and maybe one more. Okay. Uh, or maybe just this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. So he's like, Hey, I'll pay. And of course he's going to, he says, as long as I'm a player. Well, yeah, sure. Because you're making 350,000 pounds a week right now. I was going to say, at 350 pounds a week, my joke aside, like he could probably just cover the year ahead of time. He could like prepay. He could be like, here it is. Okay. 
he can pay this guy's salary in with one week week. I said 350,000 pounds. He yeah, can, that's, that's one, what I'm trying to get at. Like right? it wouldn't so like it would be a it'd be he a drop can pay him for one week his his other and pay the other guy's salary for the year. Done. Yeah. It's pocket change to this. Turbo, guy. that that's that's what I'm trying to get at. I'm saying like I, I know I'm it's, it's, a, it's a gesture and like I, I think I think uh, you know future Sir Gunner and you know if if he gets himself knighted he'll be fine. I, I don't know how Sir Gunner didn't get this happening before Sir Saint and Sir Mix a lot and whatever the other one was I already forgot. <laughs> Sir Mix a lot. Um Sir Purr. You're forgetting Sir Purr. <laughs> I've heard Sir Mix a lot. <laughs> hey, I'll take him. Sir Mix that's not a bad one. You know. Yeah. It's not a mascot, but uh, the, the, when I when I want to be when I want to be insulting, my best work is when it's off the cuff. I didn't even know I was going to bring up Sir Mixalot, and yet I did. That's well, how I, I roll. I take it. I'll take it. Yep, I appreciate it. Yeah, so that's fair. No, but hey, good good for them. I I think he should just prepay it because it's probably a better gesture if he just prepays it and this is done. He can just take care oh, of it in sure. one shot. Just kind of check. Just kind of check. Yeah, and then just. So, you know, and, you and go, somebody Carlo. get this man knighted. Get this man knighted. Knightings apparently happen all the time. Yeah, that's true. They do, and you don't have to do very much apparently to to get one. So, well, apparently know, one go. of my one of my big things that I was keeping an eye on, and it's one of the discussions that I have. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you two things. I'll tell you a story about that first live stream. <clears throat> all right. So uh, you were you were struck, you were awestruck, you were mesmerized by uh, by the Cleveland's crap in the background. So apparently he lives, uh, he actually lives, I believe, in Carolina. If memory serves me. I'm, I could be mistaken, but I'll I'll, I'll kind of look back on it later. But anyway, he was born and kind of raised uh, a Cleveland Browns fan. And ironically, like he's of the age where it was kind of in that intermittent period where the Cleveland Browns technically didn't have a team. So his parents were fans of the previous team. And then he was kind of just born into it. And then eventually, obviously, the Browns came back. Um, and then he kind of uh, has been stuck with the Cleveland team since. So it's been Cleveland Browns and Cleveland Indians for a lifetime. So, you know, the man knows pain or enjoys pain. Yeah. Or maybe both. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, I brought him on to talk about sports card analytics. But there's probably a segment of maybe about 20 minutes in there where I unintentionally walked into it. And then we ended up talking about Cleveland sports. And I basically just made fun of Cleveland sports for 20 to 25 minutes. You would have been so proud. I love it, man. I love it. That's yeah. just the best. And I was able to drop in the, uh, you know, your engagement, uh, your engagement party story where we basically ended up in Cleveland for reasons. Uh, so I brought that in there. And then, uh, you know, and then I pointed out the obvious. It's like it's so bad in Cleveland that. Even Major League, probably one of the best baseball movies ever made, at least, you know, in that pantheon, one of the top Absolutely. ones Absolutely. with the Cleveland Indians, even at the moment of their triumph. It's not a triumph in the World Series. It's a triumph they got to the playoffs. <laughs> they don't even win the World Series in the movie. That's true. That's true. That should tell you something. You can't make the movie. They're like, ah, they can't win the World Series in the movie. Don't want to buy that. It's a movie. Yeah. So yeah, it's not true. even in the movie do the Cleveland teams win. No, but uh, apparently the NFL team is not doing half bad right now. Yes, but I will say it does concern me how um, reliant they are on that running game. Having a running game is great, and having a good running game is fantastic. But they struggled mightily to finish off Dallas. Like they got up on Dallas really badly but then kind of let them back in the game because they're garbage. Dallas's offense is good. 
But if you get up like 41, I think it was like 40, I want to say like 41-17 at one point. Like it had to be something like that, like 41-17. And in the end, they made it competitive, and it was only because uh, Odell Beckham pulled off a great play uh, that they were able to do it. And in the most Dallas Cowboys kind of move, they get to within three. Um, they score a touch. Uh, Cleveland scores a touchdown, and they're about to try to kick the extra point. And Dallas blocks it. Great play. But for some reason, one of them gets the idea in their head. You know what I should do? Let me try to pick up this ball and run it for a safety. Of course. Yeah. So, of course, he touches the ball and basically drops it. And then Cleveland picks it up and gets the safety. So they managed to block it and somehow still make the situation worse. Normally, you expect that to be the other way around. You expect Cleveland to be the one doing this, not Dallas. And yet Dallas did it. And that's how they were down by 11, and that, I think, was the final result of the game. Yeah. But entertaining. We cannot forget that it was entertaining. Oh, I agree with that. It was highly entertaining. But it was one of those things like, my God, wow. So so technically they won, and the Browns are 3-1. and one. You can believe it. Yep. I did also get to educate young Jordan on how Jim Brown left the Browns because he didn't know. Amazing. It is you, it is my role. You just went to everywhere educate. pretty much, eh? Was that? I said you just went like everywhere with it. It is my job to educate the youth, Dave. One of us has to do it. You're not doing it. I gotta educate the youth. Yep. You could get on educating the youth, well, you know, be good. You you, you technically do it professionally. Yes, I did it for it's, free. It's it's much different than the way you educate the youth, Carlos. Yeah, my way is effective. <laughs> and ent- highly entertaining. Let's not yes, forget. I was able to entertain multiple people and educate the youth. He will not forget this lesson that Professor Carlos gave him. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Agreed. Yep, so that's that. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk a little. So let's talk a little postseason baseball. Let's do it, man. Yeah, the brackets aren't looking good, Dave. Uh, no, um, actually let, let me bring out the bracket. Yeah, bring I, them out. I but I know, I know they don't look good. Like I know they don't, confident. but, uh, so for the first round and thankfully nobody as of time of recording, no one has been eliminated from the second round. So yep. we, that's good for us. Yep. Uh, so you've got one, two, three, four, five of eight picks. Yeah. I didn't do like as it could have turned out worse. I did. Okay. ish. And I got seven of eight picks. Uh, the thing we were both yeah, wrong because on you the picked twins. chalk ones. Yeah, that's true. Both, both really wrong on the twins. Uh, was it is it eight seventeen or ga- um, games in a row they've lost in playoffs now? Eighteen, Something like that. Eighteen games in a row. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of trash, Dave, mm-hmm. forget Minnesota Twins. Goddamn. All right, I, here's the thing. Because yes, you also Remar- picked them to go uh, to the World Series, Carlos. Yes, and your, they should your have. bracket is trashed completely. I know this. I am aware of this, Dave. I am aware of this. I am aware. Heaven forbid I should believe that these morons could learn from their mistakes one time. But anyway, uh, I do want to talk about something related to that, though. Uh, I'll do that in a minute. But before I segue us off, please continue the bracket. Okay. Um, so the other ones in terms of, okay, so let's put this way. We both picked the race. Mm-hmm. So we're good. Uh, you picked the Sox. I picked the Athletics. Uh, the Sox pe- really should have won that game. The Sox I, I, had a good I agree. Shot. I feel like they should have won that series. 
Yeah, the A's were lucky to get out of that one. Traditionally, the A's would blow that, but good on them. You know, they and, did but what they're, they're trying really hard to blow it to Houston right now. That this is what I'm trying to get at. Like it should have been the Sox. Like at least it would have been interesting. Like I, the A's are not built to go in a long playoff run. So I'm like, why are you doing this? Yeah, I don't know. And then the other thing is, uh, it seemed to be all of a sudden we both picked New York, and we're both very comfortable in picking New York. And we were both right. But all of a sudden, it seemed like all the experts were picking Cleveland. And I was like, whoa, maybe we should have picked Cleveland. But thankfully, we didn't. And we were right on New York. And Cleveland also didn't look that good either. So actually, then again, they are Cleveland. Yeah, I am going to I am going to do the the main segue that I was talking about in a second. But a quick, quick mini segue. Um, So in the conversation with Jordan, as I educated young Jordan on the history of beautiful Cleveland sports, I had to bring up the 95 World Series, the 97 World Series, and the 2016 World Series. On a related note, just so everyone understands, the 95 World Series, they made some quick history lesson for everybody. The 95 World Series, they managed to somehow lose to the Atlanta Braves. Do you know who loses to the Atlanta Braves? No one. You know who? Just Cleveland. Just Cleveland. Just Cleveland. Yep. Nobody else. In the World Series. Let's get it wrong. Correct. The Braves are very good at winning the division. Correct. And getting to the World Series. Because in 91, they lost to Minnesota. In 92, they lost to Toronto. In 94, they lost to default because there was no World Series. But I'm sure they lost that one. And then 95, they actually beat, they actually beat Cleveland. 96, they lost to the Yankees. Uh, what was it? 90, I want to say 98, they lost to the Yankees again. No, wait, that was uh, San Diego. 99, they lost to the Yankees again. And I feel like there's one more. They definitely lost. 2016, the Cubs won? No, no, I'm getting that. I'm getting that. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So the point is, Atlanta never wins a World Series except for that one. Oh, sorry, time you're talking about Atlanta. Sorry, I thought you were yeah, Atlanta, about- Atlanta first. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Atlanta never wins except that one time they play Cleveland. Uh, 1997, the Cleveland Indians get out there to an expansion team, the Florida Marlins. So uh, you know, being the the compassionate individual that I am, I do point out it's like you lose to the Florida Marlins. Couldn't you lost to the Pawtucket Sturgeons? Or some random like AAA team that doesn't actually exist that sounds like a fish, because no one loses to a random expansion team, and yet the Cleveland Indians did, and that was a powerhouse team. Both of those it was a powerhouse were legitimately team. powerhouse teams, and somehow you lose to this team. And then Kenny the most, Lofton, man, Kenny Lofton, and the most inexplicable one, the one that I cannot get my head around, and I watched it, and I still don't believe it, and I don't understand it. In 2016, they lost. To the freaking Chicago Cubs. You know who loses to the Chicago Cubs? Negative. Nobody. No one. no one. Literally no one. For over a century, not a single team loses to the Chicago Cubs. Nobody loses to the Cubs. Well, remember, it's a, it's a reason. There's a reason that the, the Chicago, one of the Chicago Cubs' nicknames is the lovable losers. Because they're really good at losing. Yes. And you have to. And if you like it, you better love it. You better love it because you better get used to it. Because that's how be it's fair. They did as as we both picked Miami to beat the Cubs, which was the only upset that I picked. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're doing it again. Correct. Yes. So the the thing with that also was uh, so yeah. So I pointed that out, and uh, I also brought up a true story about the 2016 championship because there was a lady, and she made a lot of headlines back then uh, in like local uh, Chicago like TV and whatnot. Uh, they did human interest stories on her. She was a lady who was a Chicago Cubs fan who was 108 years old. So she was actually alive when the Chicago Cubs had won their previous World Series and lived to watch this team win the World Series and then died a couple of months later because she was 108. Yeah. 
That like, should tell you all you need to know right there. Correct. And yet, Cleveland lost to that team. God damn. Dave, yep. god damn. Like, yeah. Like, damn. Like, and that's all in our lifetime. Like that, I saw those. I watched them all. Yeah. Exactly, man. Yeah, I got excited on that one. Was my volume really high? No. Okay, cool. I'm just adjusting the microphone. I want to make sure it's not too loud. But no, I did. It was, good. it was good, man. It's good. But, but I, I had to give that history lesson. It was so good. <laughs> That's how I got into the rant about Cleveland sport. And then I brought up Jim Brown. It's like, I'm just going to trash all your teams now. I got no choice. Well, it's pretty easy to do. Like, like, but listen, I got to, I got to, Dave, like I said, I got to educate the youth. Okay. LeBron, made, LeBron got them one NBA. He did. Also. He did. He did. And they finally won a thing. Yes. And let us let's not speak of the Cleveland Barons. But um, so anyway, so that was fine. Um, so let's get back to the thing, and then I'll get to the Minnesota because I got a thing on Minnesota. Please continue. All right. Uh, so now we're – what else do I want to say? And then we were a lot better in the NL. You picked Milwaukee to upset the Dodgers, which uh, didn't happen, even close to happening. I, I, I honestly think if Yelich wasn't playing like absolute crap, I think they would have had a better shot. Of course they would have. But the, yeah. pro- the problem is, I mean, yeah, like Milwaukee did not have a re- really good regular season. They had a couple of injuries just starting pitching for – you know, and it just – yeah. What, I didn't watch I didn't watch a lot of that series, but I'm completely confident that somebody like Chain Dave Roberts in the dugout. Because I know that, you know, like up 30, he would have come out and done something. And you know, we're talking about Milwaukee upsetting them right now. I, I know Dave Roberts could have done it. He had I believe in his capability. I believe in Dave Roberts. And somehow he wasn't allowed to do Dave Roberts things. And this is why we're in the situation we're in right now. You know, fair enough. Uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, you know, he still has plenty of chances to do Dave Roberts things. Uh, they're up one to nothing in the series. As crossing my fingers, Dave. I just need, I just need some Dave Roberts. I'm a couple of Dave Roberts things away from. It's like, yeah. So about that Dodgers team. This is the year that. By the way, just so we're clear, I picked against him because I was hoping for some Dave Roberts things. But they better get to the fucking World Series. They better. Like this year, <laughs> this year of all years, Dave. There's no excuse. No, there isn't. There isn't. Get really. to the World I mean, Series. Get I mean, there. and looking at it, honestly, and I mean, there's a few things that I that I could say here, uh, but I, the, here's what I'm going to say. I think the best overall, like top to bottom teams that the that have looked like that so far are the only team in the AL that's looked like that, in my opinion, is the Rays. Somehow, Houston manages to keep winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I feel that magic is going to somehow run out because I don't actually think they're that good. Uh, you know, they still, have, they still have a bunch of great players. Uh, I, I mean, it, it is hard for me to fathom them beating whoever comes out of the NL hmm. if, if they make it that far. Uh, but I like the Rays. I think the Rays have looked the best. The Yankees have looked pretty decent, but I'm not sure their pitching is going to hold up. That's, that's my wonder there. I do uh, believe that that, I do believe that's a weakness that could very easily be exploited by the Rays for sure. Right. Because, because, like they can hit, they can rake with anybody, right? And and they and that's how they beat Cleveland. Uh, Look, you know, all, all I'll say to you is that you'll be fine under one condition. Right Dave now, Roberts Atlanta, Dave Roberts but... Well, for the Dodgers, yes, but I mean in general. Right now, Atlanta is up two to nothing on my on the Mar- Miami Marlins. Correct. The Miami Marlins are undefeated in playoffs when they get to the playoffs. Yes, they get to the playoffs, they win the World Series. Correct. So if they've Atlanta only made the playoffs can, twice before this year. Correct. But they've won the World Series both times. Also correct. If they if Atlanta can stop them, then the path is clear. Now, if the Dodgers play the Miami Marlins, then you're doomed, basically. 
Enjoy yeah. your your World Series champions, the 2020 Miami Marlins. Yeah, uh, that's why I'm I'm uh, even though I feel like Atlanta is the better team, I'm still rooting for Atlanta because I feel that's that's you know you can't have Miami because then then you know what'll probably happen is like the Dodgers will go up 3-0 in the series and then Dave Roberts will somehow manage to mess it up and then Miami will win the next four games and then go on and win the World Series. In accordance with the prophecy. Only Atlanta stands in the way of your future horror. Only yeah. Atlanta. So, um, so you both of us have Atlanta making the NLCS. Yep. Uh, so that pl- that pick is still very much alive. Yes, I would say so. Yep. Um, what else? Tampa Bay to the ALCS is very much alive for both of mm-hmm. us. Uh, I am the only one who still has the World. I picked Dodgers A's. Obviously, that looks very tenuous right now as my World Series pick. And you picked Padres versus Twins, but you did pick the Padres to win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So your World Series pick is very much still alive, Carlos. And I have a side bet on it, so that's eleven to one. So if I hit, I just need to hit. Here's the thing: the bracket's all well and good, but if I hit on my actual bet, well, then I win actual money. That's all I care about. That's the important part. Yeah. So we shall see what ends up happening. Uh, but hey, the possibility still exists that you're going to win some money, and that's huge. Without question, without question. Uh, All right. And and you know what? I, there's nothing else that's really, really standing out to me uh, right now. I will say the one thing that interests me is I, I, I'm mm-hmm. not that it's a bad thing, but here here's a thing, and I, I would like your take on this okay. because this is a, a Dave Roberts-esque thing. Now, granted, I think part okay, of the question. problem... Is this a professional wrestling question? No, this is baseball still. Okay, baseball stuff because I do have a I do have a segue the Minnesota thing. Okay, good. Continue, please. Okay, continue. So let's go baseball. I just want to go. This is yeah, Dave Roberts cool. thing. That's fine. Good. So, what they done? It what they did, and it worked obviously against Milwaukee. No issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, and they've gone the same way. So both. T- so Rocker Bueller has a blister issue. Uh, he's having trouble with that. He spent some time on the IL. Uh, but he's you know he pitched game one of the wild card series. Uh, he pitched four innings, I think. Mm-hmm. And then did the same last night. Yep. Uh, so their their thing is basically pitch Bueller in the game one uh, because they're expecting a lot of bullpen use when he pitches because of mm-hmm. the blister thing. They don't want to let him go too long. Right. And then Kershaw pitches game two, and they're expecting Kershaw to go a long time. Right. Uh, and and give the bullpen rest, and then you know you're gonna have like who I who I don't know May well May pitch a lot. So Gonsolin probably pitches game three. And who and Urias maybe pitches game four or whatever. But do you like that strategy of of pitching, you know, Bueller in game one and being like if if it all obviously, of course, if it lines up, uh, which it has so far. Mm-hmm. You think that's a good strategy to have him because you're expecting heavier bullpen usage and then have Kershaw in game two to kind of rest the bullpen? Well, here's or is my that question. Some, is that somehow Dave Roberts gonna screw it up that way? Well, Dave Roberts can screw up anything. Uh my question to the following is the following. Do you, to me, at this stage in the game, do you believe Kershaw or Bueller to be your ace? Bueller, I think, yeah. at this point. So then, you know, conventional wisdom is start your ace in game one. Establish, because you want to get that first win. And then in theory, that opens you up for, um, that opens you up for maximum amount of usage. Because uh, in theory, if you're managing pitch count, then you're going to potentially be able to it, it, think of it this way. It's the uh, 2001 Diamondbacks model. You had Randy Johnson, you had Kurt Schilling. 
and they were basically available, like on in all honesty, to win the World Series, they were available for all seven games, both of them. They were like, we'll do whatever it takes. You're all pitching until your arms fall off, all of you. So that's kind of the way they had to play it out, and I understood. And the thing is, it was uh, 2001, and the Yankees were a pain in my ass, and I was sick of those idiots. And I was like, I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if if someone accidentally is found dead on the Yankees. You will win this series. And they did. Yeah. And then in 2003, I got to laugh again. And it was wonderful. It was a golden era, Dave, for the rest of the 2000s. Until 2009 kind of wrecked it a little bit. But then we're back. We're back, it's Dave. True. It's true. It's been a golden era. It's been wonderful. It's it really been. has. I've been quite happy with it. Like, listen, the Yankees can make the playoffs as long as they keep losing. I'm great. Yeah. Uh, and you know, in the J with the expanded format, you got the Jays in a two this year, even if it was only for two games, and they didn't really do well at all. But they were yeah, there. The thing is, they need they needed the experience to learn. I was actually okay with it because I was like, "Good, learn, learn." Um, I can give you a good analogy to this, actually. Right. Um, back in the day, uh, this would have been really early in his career. Uh, Jamie Ben was playing for the Stars, and the Stars were eliminated fairly early. Like they knew they were eliminated. But what happened is at the, in the postseason, what they did is they actually uh, sent Jamie Ben down to the AHL to play for the Texas Stars. And that's when I got a chance to watch him actually play in Hamilton uh, doing those playoff series. Right. So that was my opportunity to watch him play live a little bit. Um, but it was to develop some playoff experience. It was specifically for him to develop some playoff experience. And he had a great playoff for the Texas Stars. Now, unfortunately, they were never able to build the team again to actually take advantage of this, but it was a good strategy. I thought it was a good idea. Get him some experience. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have young guys, why not? And the Jays are a team full of young guys. So even if it's failure in the first shot, it's like, okay, that's fine. Would I prefer they win? Of course, but like take advantage of it. Like, guess what? This, you now got to experience it. You saw what it was like in playoff baseball. It's different than regular season baseball. This is what it's like. So if you get back here, now you know. Right. Then this isn't new next time. So it still has some value potentially if they can get back down the road. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the hope, I think. I think that's the... Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't disagree with anything you said there. Yeah. So I think... Uh, so I'm... So for... You know what? If there's nothing else that's a benefit from this whole situation, it is that they got a chance to get some playoff experience they otherwise had no business getting. Yeah. So I'm I'm cool with it. All right. Now, tell me your twins thing, Carlos. Okay. So uh this is a this is you know I love my rabbit holes. I get down I do. my rabbit holes. I do. We all do, man. Yeah. But um so obviously, you know, my recent rabbit holes have been, you know, some of those um some of those links to some of those um music review channels. By the way, did you ever watch any of the damn music videos that I sent you? I did, yeah. Okay. So we'll talk about that later. But and then of course roller jam. Roller Jam is oh, You can't go wrong with Roller Jam. <laughs> so good. So one of the things I decided to do is the Twins thing was so ridiculous. I understood it was going to happen probably, but I was taking a shot. <clears throat> but the Twins thing was so ridiculous that I was like, I'm kind of curious what the Twins fans think about this. And I was so I started trolling YouTube and I was like, all right, I just need like a, there's got to be like a live stream or something where like Twins fans vent. Because forget about message boards. That's, that's, that's old, old days. We don't want that. No, no, right. no. We want the live YouTube stream of Twins fans getting mad. And and I succeeded. And not only did I find that one, I also found a New York Jets one. I'm like, oh, this is so good. Oh, nice. The shot and fraud is so strong. Dave, the shot and fraud. It is I so strong. It. I get you you know, you know me. 
I, I love the suffering of others. It fuels me. It, it gives me it strengthens my power. Wow. That'll be like all suffering, uh, you know. But I, I let's say you love the Don't suffering. Don't hold me of back, Dave. Don't hold me back. There's a lot of suffering I enjoy. <laughs> I, there are very few limits to the suffering that I will enjoy. Oh, Carlos. <laughs> but the point is that the the Jets and the Minnesota Twins fans, it's so glorious. The salt, Dave, the salt was so real. <laughs> because in Minnesota, they have the Vikings too. So it's like the salt, Dave. The salt is so real. It's so good. Yep. And and the Jets fan have kind of a hopelessness that also. So like if I was like a, uh, you know, pain vampire, you know, the Jets are like an appetizer. Minnesota Twins are a full course still. <laughs> but the Jets fans have been defeated so long that, it, you know, they're an appetizer at best. Yeah. I mean, you know, it doesn't help that their their coach seems to be actively sabotaging them right now. I actually still believe, like I'm serious. I actually believe Sam Darnold could have, I'm just using this past tense, could have actually been a decent quarterback if he wasn't doomed. That's the fair. Uh, like do, he's you, do you hear Flacco starting on Sunday? He might as well. I'll be honest. If I was um I joked about it on the um on the on the podcast with uh, the Cleveland guy with Jordan, um, I joked about it. I said um, because the Jets, you know, may try to tank for Trevor Lawrence, and I said, and I joked that it's like you know who's and I told him it's like you know who's going to be rooting the hardest for that. He goes, who? I go, Sam Darnold. <laughs> He's like, please draft Trevor Lawrence. Get rid of me. Ship me out of town now. Yeah, seriously, right? Like, please. He's like, please draft him. Please draft him. Make this his problem. Because I, he's got no support. Like, he's doomed. No. Like, there's nothing you can do. No, totally doomed. Like, what do you expect? I honestly think, and in addition to that, it's not like he's got no support. And it's not like he has good coaching to fall back on. Like, what's he supposed to do out there? Like, all right, coach, what do I do? Uh, throw the ball hard. Thanks, coach. What about exactly. what about the what about the linemen that are trying to kill me? Could you get me like a line that can hold so I don't die? Uh, we'll see what we can do, Sam. Thanks, coach. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I actually feel I actually feel bad for Sam Darnold because it's like that's not his fault. He didn't build this team. Yep, it's true. But it's it tells true. you how critical it is to just some of it's just a crapshoot. Some of it's luck. Yeah, totally. How did Lamar Jackson get to be so good? Well, they built a team around him and they knew what he could do. And when they decided to go with him, they went all in and said, yeah. we will get you the pieces that complement what you do really well. Yeah. Why is Patrick Mahomes so successful? Well, that franchise already had amazing pieces, but they said, we'll let you sit for a year. You'll learn. You'll adapt. We'll Andy Reid is an actual good coach. So he's like, I will work with you. I will make, I will teach you what I like to do on offense. And then now you're ready. Great. Look at all these weapons I have for you. I have yeah. wide receivers. I have running backs. I have everything. I have a line that can hold. Go play. Yeah. You know, uh, exactly. And I think it's a, a thing like all good teams are sort of built in that way, right? Like if you're going to be a successful team, regardless of whether you win a Super Bowl or not or how yeah. far you get, but if you're going to be a successful team, you you really you got to play to your strengths. You know, most successful teams do that by building around a specific quarterback, right? You have there's the odd uh, exception where you know a team is really built around defense and they and they're very successful. Uh, you think of uh, what's his name, Trent Dilfer, right? He was with Baltimore when they won. Yeah, the, the 2000 first Baltimore Ravens, right? So you got the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. You have Peyton Manning in his last year with Denver. Right. You know, there are, there are examples like that, but realistically it's, you know, 
you you've got a great quarterback. If and you, you go back to do, if you go back to two Giants Super Bowl winners, like the defense was the stalwart that got that engine going. Yeah, and you you know you make a couple of lucky plays, and you're playing a mediocre quarterback in the Super Bowl, and yeah, there you go. Yeah, if if the Patriots had a good quarterback in those Super Bowls, my God, I can't even imagine. Could you imagine if they had like, you know, offensive juggernaut Mark Brunel? Oh my goodness, Carlos! Like they the 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 Patriots would have won by like eighty. Oh, offensive! Or like, I miss I miss offensive juggernaut Mark Brunel. It's like that's a, that's a key. Or like, imagine if they had like a better quarterback than the one they had, like you know, um, the corpse of Johnny Unitas. Um, yep. Yep. You know, I'm sure I'm sure Curly Lambeau could could have come out of the grave uh, and played quarterback, and that would have been fine. They would have done like the sweep. It would have been great. Put in Boomer, man. <laughs> boomer. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. Yeah, Boomer. Boomer. No, only if Boomer takes like random shots at Dan Marino. He goes, couldn't He's get it done. Like Dan Marino. Well, Dan Marino's like, you know, on the bench or something. There's a secret death stare. I think secretly, like, if Boomer ever dies of like a disease, somewhere off in the distance, Dan Marino would be like, I was waiting. <laughs> he like it took that many years, but it was Dan Marino that did it. Hey, you put the hex on him. What do you want, man? Yeah. No, I hear you. All right. Yeah, shot in front. The answer, Dave, is shot in front. Minnesota Twins, Minnesota Twin live streams and some New York Jets live streams. It fueled my soul, and I was good to go for the rest of the day. I like it. I like it. That's All right, may I, may I ask you a question, Carlos? Yes, you may. Because I've been, as I told you before, I've been watching uh, a lot of wrestling lately. Oh, hold on, Dave. Before you continue, how much wrestling have you been watching? Uh, I, what is the correct answer to that? Enough? Okay. It doesn't matter. It didn't really matter what your answer was, Dave. But you still managed to somehow almost botch that. Like, holy crap. Please continue. What's your question? So I feel so one of the things I just watched was the, the, the video and watching some of the matches called the Dawn of Attitude about like 1990, the year 1997 in the WWE. Okay. Yep. Okay? So they interviewed who did they interview? They interviewed it's got a panel, it's got Shawn Michaels, mm -hmm. they've got Mick Foley, they've got Farouk, the Godfather, and Kane. That's a good All panel right. for that. Yeah. They, they'd be the right people to talk to. And so I need you to explain to me, Carlos, because I, 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 I mean, they talked about it, but I really don't get it. And I need the Carlos level of analysis and depth uh, on this explanation. Okay. Sure. All right. Tell me, talk to me about what, what is the Montreal screw job? What happened and why is it so important? Are you serious? Yes. Do you not know what it is? I know what it is, but I I, okay. I I I need the nuance behind. Like the, I need the Carlos level of. Okay, um, okay, I'll I'll go into it, but I'm genuinely curious. Like, did they leave something out? Like, <clears throat> you know what though? Honestly, the people would talk about. There's been a couple times people have talked about it, and yeah. it always feels like there's something missing to the explanation. Okay, so it happened. It was it was a, it was there was a match, and it was in Montreal. Yeah, and it was Bret Hart and it was Shawn Michaels. Yeah, it was Survivor Series. Okay. Yeah. A lot of amazing how many of these famous things have happened at Survivor Series, eh? Well, Survivor Series at one point Survivor Series was really treated like another it was considered the big four. It was um the WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam. Yeah, those were the big four. Survivor Series has really fallen off because it used to be treated with a lot more respect. Okay, so here we go. I'll give you the short synopsis and then I'll explain some of the subtext. All right. It was uh Survivor Series 1997. Okay. And the whole deal is this was to be the culmination of a series of matches 
Well, yeah, a series of matches, I would say, uh, between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Mm -hmm. Now, there had been building animosity behind the scenes in addition to in front of the camera. Now, I will make a point that it is professional wrestling. So every time there's something that happens, there's always an aspect and an element of the audience that would be like, that's a work. Oh, they knew they were in on that. That's part of the story, blah, blah, blah. They're just keeping the story alive. And professional wrestlers have this habit of doing this thing. What's it called? Lying a lot about everything. Of course. Yeah. Or if you know, if you don't believe that, then just ask Hulk Hogan what happened in WrestleMania three. And he will let you know that he defeated Andre the Giant in front of 5.7 million people. Somehow they fit inside the dome. And he lifted Andre the Giant, who at the time was 457 tons, I think. I think that's course, the current right. number. Yeah. But the point is that Andre, the, the point is the story gets bigger every single time and it's total BS. Now, one thing I'll mention to you, Dave, uh, your picture has been cutting out a little bit. You might want to stop the stream uh, that you got going on in the game for a couple minutes because your picture is completely cutting out. Okay. Is that better? Yeah, so we'll give it a second. Uh, a little bit better, but we'll give it a second. <clears throat> All right, I'll go on. Can you still hear me okay? Oh, yeah, I, I've been hearing the fine the whole time. All right, fine. Fair enough. Okay, so long story short, it was building up to this thing, and there were this whole, if we, let's, for the sake of argument, I'm going to say, let's say I believe some of the interviews and discussions related to it that uh, have been done with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and all that. Supposedly, the idea was that Vince McMahon wanted Shawn, uh, sorry, wanted Bret Hart to drop the title to uh, Shawn Michaels in Montreal. And Bret Hart wasn't keen on this because he had been disrespected, in his opinion, by Bret Hart. Bret, uh, sorry, Shawn Michaels. Shawn, uh, Bret Hart was more of an old school guy in the sense that he is um, very caring about perception, the uh, perception of respect and all that stuff. The truth is that Bret Hart's a bit of a weenie. He complains about everything. Um, now, he was within his rights because he had acted in good faith for the most part. But the issue was that basically... If, if I take the subtext, my opinion is this. I think Vince McMahon was desperate to keep Bret Hart at the time he made his last contract offer to him. He had actually made a contract offer that Bret Hart had agreed to. It was a long-term contract, like a super, super long-term contract, basically a retirement contract. Okay. And the idea was he didn't want to lose more talent at WCW, who was surging and you know an upstart at that time. But I think at a certain point, Vince McMahon realizes, like, okay, I think I've got enough horses. I kind of want to get out of this contract and I don't want to just say it. So he basically tried to use the excuse as like, well, I can't afford this bread, blah, blah, blah. And he basically arranges so that Brett could shop his services to WCW and then take the and then take the deal with WCW. So in the end, by the time you get to Survivor Series in Montreal, Bret Hart is leaving for WCW. He had already signed the contract. They had come to a deal. And everybody inside of WWE knew that already. So the whole idea was that he wanted him to drop the title in Montreal. And Bret Hart was of the opinion that, you know what, Shawn Michaels hasn't shown me respect, blah, blah, blah. There's been a lot of back and forth. They couldn't agree on a finish. So he goes, no, we'll do a schmoz of some kind. We'll do a disqualification or something like that where there's no conclusion. And then he says, I'll agree to drop it to anybody else or I'll do it on Monday Night Raw if you really wanted me to do to Shawn Michaels. But on the pay-per-view, I'm giving him nothing. Okay. That was the whole idea. <clears throat> Now, depending on who you believe, some combination of Vince McMahon, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, 
or Jim Cornette came up with the idea of the screw job finish. The finish was going to be that Shawn Michaels would put Bret Hart in the sharpshooter. And Bret Hart actually came up with an idea for a spot like that because he had done a spot like that. And they would look for an opportunity like that to have the referee call the bell like like uh, Bret Hart uh, like Bret Hart tapped out and submitted. It didn't matter whether you did right. or not. That wasn't the point. The point was you you call for the bell and then Shawn Michaels is the champion and they leave. So that was the finish. And then Bret Hart obviously didn't know about that. <clears throat> now, again, if you believe Bret Hart, he had his family, he had his brother Owen and his brother-in-law, uh, the British Bulldog, and also Jim the Anvil Nightheart. So he had his associates there with him. And he asked the referee, Earl Hebner, it, to let him know if there was going to be a screw job with it. And Earl Hebner was the referee for the match. So Bret Hart, according to him, was more confident because Earl Hebner goes, because Earl Hebner has integrity, blah, blah, blah. It's like, Earl Hebner will do his job. He'll do whatever he's told to do. But um, yeah, according to the story of Bret Hart is that Bret Hart was a moron and decided to trust Earl Hebner and went out there and just did it. And when the moment came, Earl Hebner called for the bell because Vince told him to. And then Shawn Michaels became the champion in Montreal. And then Bret Hart uh, spit into this man's face, smashed up a couple of things, did a WCW sign, and then went to WCW. Now, there's a couple of things that I'm going to add here in a second, but conceptually. Now, do you want to kind of understand what I'm saying here? Yeah, totally. Okay. So far, way more detail than anything else I've looked at. So this is fantastic. Because the because they don't they don't go. Okay. There's a couple of problems here. Um number one, Bret Hart was an idiot because he should have never trusted any of them. Us again, I'm assuming that this was an actual screw job. I think it probably was, but fine. Because Vince McMahon is up for shadiness like that. You know, he he mm-hmm. he is the goat of Carney. This is true. Like it is what he does. Shady bullshit. He is the goat of shady bullshit. Correct. So like totally within his uh, capacity. If I'm Bret Hart at that point, number one, I don't trust you to put me in any kind of thing that looks like a submission. You're going to have to pin me, in which case I have control over that. Or number two, if it happens, then I break your leg. What are you going to do with a champion with a broken leg? Like kick Shawn Michaels ass at that moment. At that moment, your, your homies are right with you at that moment. You have you have your homies fight his homies because some of his uh, compatriots were on the outside too. Oh, they were all there. Have them fight, and then there's just the two of you in the ring. Kick the shit out of uh, Shawn Michaels on the air. They would cut the broadcast immediately, but guess what? You break his leg. You smash his ankle. You do something where he's out. He can have his little championship, and he won't be able to do shit with it for months. Right. That's the correct move. Damage him. Here you go. Here's your champion. Now he's damaged goods. Enjoy. And then you go to WCW and laugh. That would have been the move. So you, but you think it was a real screw job? Um, yes, because if so, Bret Hart got almost nothing. Because if it wasn't, and Bret Hart was in on it, he got nothing out of it. So he, so you, you, why would he have let him put? Because he felt because he trusted Earl Hebner that that's why he let himself put be put in the sharpshooter. Yeah, he thought he had an ally. The referee is the third man in the ring. Yeah, in that situation. So you're 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 putting a lot of trust in the referee because if you actually do get hurt, it's the referee's job to realize that you're actually hurt and do something. Because if it's like, okay, we're gonna end the match right now, do that. Or you know what, we can't even end the match. We need to stop it right now. I'm gonna stop it. Th- that referee's job, because the referee has an earpiece and he's given instructions. Oh, we've only got five minutes left. We've only got two minutes left. We need to end the match soon. It's his job then to relay the information to the wrestlers. 
So the referee is the person there that has more information. They can tell what's going on and there'll be relayed information in the earpiece. So the referee is a really crucial. People underestimate how crucial the referee is to a good match. Right. Because without the referee being coordinated, it becomes a sloppy mess yeah. because the referee is out of position and they don't know what the situation is. Actually, the show's about to go off the air and you don't even know it and you're wrestling too long. Yeah, that happens. So you need the referee to be there to be like communicating to you. Hey, we need to go home soon. Yeah. That simple phrase means to the wrestlers. All right. Get ready for the closing sequence. We're about done here. So that guy's got to be on online with the two wrestlers so that they're all in working together. So if he's not paying attention or he's doing something wrong or he knows something that you don't know and he doesn't relay it to you, it changes the whole game. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So the referee is critical. Yeah. And Earl Hebner is a veteran referee, so he knows how to do that job. But at the same time, he's also... um, He's also a guy on the payroll and he likes keeping his job. And Brett was yeah. going to WCW anyway. And WCW had signed him uh, for what was a multi-million dollar a year deal at the time. So Bret Hart, Bret Hart did well financially, but like if Vince McMahon didn't want him gone to save some money, he wouldn't have let him go to WCW because he already had him on a contract. Right. So he basically coaxed it so that he would leave and then named his champion that he wanted to take the place. But he also wanted his champion to look good, and he did a whole thing. Now, in the end, WWE ran with the ball, made it into a whole thing. The evil Vince McMahon character was born of the Montreal school job. That was the beginning of the evil Vince McMahon character because that was the first time it was basically acknowledged that Vince McMahon was the owner of the company. Right. He was a commentator up until that point. Yeah. And that led into the Shawn Michaels thing, which led into the Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. That got the Attitude Era really going. So the Montreal school job was really – the genesis of the Attitude Era. So it was like phase one, which led to the, basically when Stone Cold Steve Austin hit Shawn Michaels with the stunner, pinned him one, two, three, the Attitude Era was on, we're going. Nice. But this was like phase one to get things going, to get us to that position. It was crucial. Now, that's one aspect of it. Second aspect, WCW dropped the ball completely. Eric Bischoff had the hottest story in wrestling. People were asking, was that legit? The Montreal Screwjob. It was known as the Montreal Screwjob immediately. And Bret Hart was doing a shoot with a uh, documentary company that was doing. It's called Wrestling with Shadows. You can find the documentary. It's out there. They were there with him recording at the time of the Montreal Screwjob and the whole sequence of events that happened there. And they got a lot of footage related to the Montreal Screwjob on that documentary. Nice. So coming off of the strength of that, the documentary didn't come out until later, but at least the camera crew was there and doing all stuff related to it. So you've got this. You've got a new property. Suddenly, Bret Hart's name is on everybody's lips. People are asking questions. What's Bret Hart going to do? What's going on? What's going to happen with Owen Hart? What's going to happen with, you know, whatever, his family and all the people related to it? Like, they can't be pleased that this occurred. And some of them are under contract and can't do anything about it, but some of them were able to, like, leave. Mm -hmm. So they did. Um, and that situation actually caused Rick Rude, who on on paper was actually associated with Shawn Michaels and D Generation X, to be on Monday Night Raw one day on a pre-tape and to actually be live on Nitro the next the same night. Hmm. Because he was his contract had expired. So he left and went to go work for WCW the same and he was on showing up on two different simulcasts at the same time. Awesome. Yeah. 
So there's a lot of moving parts is my point that I'm trying to get at. So you see, like, it's more complex than, totally. than it sounds like. There's a lot of layers. But WCW has this thing. They've got this guy who's suddenly in the news. Everybody's talking about him. So what do you, so you're the booker here. You're the one in charge. You've got this person under contract for you. Who's not working for you. Who is now the hottest name in wrestling. What do you do? Um, market the shit out of him. Correct. What you don't do is let him sit on his ass for a couple of months, trying to figure out what he wants to do with himself and then eventually show up half hearted and then just stick him in. His first action was to show up, do an interview. And then he was a guest referee in a match. You have yeah. Bret Hart, who already has a name. He has a cachet, and he became the hottest guy in wrestling for a bit. At that point, you say, like, look, I know you're pissed off. I know you're upset. I know you got some issues right now. But we can take advantage of this and right now propel you to, the to like, the very top of this thing. Yeah. We got to get you in front of Hogan. The Hogan-Bret Hart mega match awaits. <laughs> like, we got to take advantage of this right now while you're scorching hot. Yeah, for sure. Like, take advantage. That would have been a rating spike because you could have used it right away. You could have had him trash Shawn Michaels every single time. Fake champion. He didn't beat me. He needed Vince McMahon to do it for him. He needed a crooked referee and then have him f figure out a way to get Hogan. Yeah. Like the storyline writes itself. You don't have to do anything. Why? Why are you in charge, Carlos? Why? Por qué, man? Por qué? There are so many areas where I should be in charge. But the point is like the storyline wrote itself. It was so obvious at the time. You take advantage of this. The guy's right there. He's the hottest name. Remember, this is 1997. Like, to be the hottest name requires some work. It's not a tweet away. We can't yeah, tweet sure. it. Like, we don't have that social media. And yet, the wrestling world was a buzz. As much as it could be at the time, it was a buzz with this story. Mm -hmm. And it ran for months. So the opportunity was there. Like, there is nobody hotter in the business at that moment in time than Bret Hart. Yeah. Now. That's the key pieces. Can I give you some more ripple effect downstream impact? There was sure. more. Sure. So Shawn Michaels eventually became champion, ran with the ball until it was time. He got hurt. And then he did the match with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, where Stone Cold Steve Austin took over, became champion, started his era, and they ran with it. The evil Vince McMahon character built up at that point, based off of that genesis, was the basis of the Austin McMahon feud, which ran the company the next two or three years. Like, it just rolled. And then, yeah. of course, the extension of The Rock and all these other things came up at the same time, and it built the WWE into the juggernaut that it was. For WCW, Bret Hart became another missed opportunity in a line of huge missed opportunities, one after another after another. So they did that in 97. They missed a huge opportunity in 1997 to market the shit out of them. At least by early 98, they could have done it. They could have done that. They tried to create WCW Thunder, which was a bad idea. And they tried to use Bret Hart as a property to bolster that brand, but they failed at that. They did it wrong. Basically, WCW started the steps that would eventually drive them out of business by 2000 and 2001. Okay. So they did all that. So that was a downstream impact. Another downstream impact. Owen Hart was stuck under contract. So by that point, he was pissed off and he just kind of floundered. In the, uh, in the aftermath of that, Owen Hart in WWE side was pissed off. But he was stuck on a contract. He couldn't go anywhere. So an opportunity was available here to have Owen Hart with a legitimate grievance against Shawn Michaels and Triple H and this group where they could have booked him to possibly be a main event guy and fight Shawn Michaels. And they could have taken advantage of this momentum that they had just gotten off of the off of the um, the Montreal screwjob. 
So instead, they started down that path and then had Owen Hart lose a bunch of times to them and Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And Shawn Michaels never never did a one-on-one match with him. They never got him in there for the title. Completely squandered that opportunity, wrecked Owen Hart's opportunity there, completely messed it up. Owen Hart just kind of floundered for a while. And then eventually they got bored of Owen Hart, let him flounder around. And then they had him do redo his blue blazer gimmick, which was a superhero gimmick from earlier in his career, just to waste time. And part of that was they came up with a couple of stunts that they wanted him to do, including repelling from the from the scaffolding. And that led to and that led to Over the Edge 1999, Dave, a pay-per-view I saw live, where Owen Hart repelled from the thing. The the connection that was done improperly because WWE was cheap and hired a moron to do it broke uh, or was released early. Owen Hart fell to his death in the middle of the ring, and they continued the pay per view because Vince McMahon is the master of bullshit, which is disgusting, really. Like, yeah, the, th- that they it, would continue it. It's one in a line of a many things. I watched that pay per view live, Dave. And so, did you know, like, did, like? Oh yeah. Well, I, we knew something. They were like, doing what did video- you see? Sorry, what do you remember what you saw? Oh, yeah. Well, it was a video package during that time that the, the stunt was being done. There was actually a video package on the screen in the arena and also for the for the pay-per-view audience. It was a package, a video package. And then as soon as the video package ended, you, to my recollection, it's been 21 years. Yeah, so it's been a while. But to my recollection, the next shot is basically the commentators. So you're looking at the commentators with the camera facing them and then the crowd shots as well. You're not looking in the ring. Stuff's happening in the ring. You're not looking at the ring. But uh, WWE, to my understanding, because I because they have like a lot of cameras, WWE has footage of that. It's sitting in the archive under marked under, you know, do not watch, do not reproduce, do not destroy. That's the terminology used in it. It's in the vault, hidden in a dark secret area of the vault where it is never to be removed or yeah. seen or reproduced ever again. Yeah. Because they have to have it for legal purposes. Right. But yeah, Vince McMahon got off relatively scot-free from that because that was negligence. And also continuing the show was in poor taste. Well, clearly it was. Yeah. So it was uh, it was it was typical Vince McMahon bullshit. It was just like, oh well, the show has to go on. No, it doesn't. You can stop it. <laughs> you could one hundred percent stop it. And some people would complain for like a day and then be like, Well, the dude died. Oh. Well, I'll shut up now. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you literally watched him die. Oh, I see. <laughs> I withdraw my objection. Yeah. yeah, I remember that happening. Like, I remember the, yeah. that happening. Yeah, I remember watching the show, and then I remember listening to live audio wrestling, which was the uh, radio show that was on the Fan 590. Okay. It, it might have been AM 640 at the time, but they were in the Fan 590 and AM 640 at different times. I don't remember yeah. which one it was in 1999. I forget. Gotcha. But they had the post, they would do, uh, they would do wrestling uh, pay-per-view post shows after the pay-per-view on Sunday. So I tuned in uh, to the radio back in the day when I listened to radio. Right. Uh, so I would tune in to listen. And obviously uh, the, there was a story that led the, the majority of the conversation for that night. Wow. So yeah, I have a, so see, you weren't ready to, for me to take you all the way down here to 1999. Were you? No, no, but uh, you did. And uh, I'm thankful that you did, but there are ripple effects, Dave, these things lead to ripple effects. Because had the opportunity been available, Owen Hart probably would have gone to WCW with Bret Hart. And we'd be having a very different conversation about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So to me, Survivor Series 1997 was a big night. That was November 9th, 1997 in Centrebel in Montreal. 
That was a big night. A lot of stuff happened that night. And I watched that pay-per-view live too. There you go, man. Because in those days, I was watching a lot of pay-per-view live with um, um, a special cable box. I think the statute has passed, right? Uh, probably. It's been 23 years. <laughs> I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that there's can, no prosecution can happen based on that now. Yes, indeed. In case anybody needs to know, I got it from uh, Dave and Dave's family. Uh, I'll send the address <laughs> after. Uh, I didn't anyway. even know you at that point, Carlos. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We met in 2003. <laughs> Allegedly. Anyway, that's the story you want to tell people. That's fine. Uh, but anyway, so yeah. So no, but I was watching all the pay-per-views back then. And there's a lot of good memories. If, if, you, if you want, it can be a segment where you ask me about some random wrestling memory and I can give you a lot. Oh, there hey. were a lot, especially in the late 90s. If you, if, you, uh, if you come up with a, a video intro for it, I will ask you random wrestling questions, Carlos. What if my intro is this? All right, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to come up with a different intro. You got you, you can't overuse Rolling Neymar. Oh, I, I only use a couple of seconds for Rolling Neymar. I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll think of something. But yeah, I, you have to use like non-copyrighted songs and stuff. So it's like, yeah. but, but like right now it doesn't matter. It's fine. Right. But yeah, but long story short. Yeah, there was a lot. Like uh, Survivor Series 1997 was um, was the beginning of a lot of stuff. The next couple of years were really busy. A lot of things happened. Yeah. Although, quickly, um, as far as topics, I think we've exhausted. I think we've exhausted the main topics. I'm good, man. I think this is it. So when you're done, we're done. But keep cool. you got you got some golden stuff here. Yeah. So real quick, uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention was that, and this is something that I'll address down the road. Because I mentioned to you peripherally that I'm probably going to be on a wrestling-related uh, kind of YouTube show podcast yes, down the road. This will probably that. be in uh, probably be in November. I'll figure it out when when that happens. That happens. I'll figure it out. I'll let you know. Um, but anyway, one of the main things though that has always been an interesting thing to me, and I'm enjoying because the two guys that are posting it now are getting back into wrestling after a long time away. So it's funny because I have all this wrestling knowledge built up here. Like mm -hmm. I said, back in the day. Like even in the early 2000s, if podcasting had been available, or even the mid 2000s when podcasting started, early days, I would totally have done a wrestling podcast under the right circumstances because I know I knew the product, I knew it cold, especially that late 90s period. Like, man, I got references for days. Yeah. There was a stretch of time, Dave, no exaggeration. And I don't remember the exact sequencing, so forgive me if it's not exactly, but you'll get the general idea. All right. So you had the you had Raw on Monday. Yep. Nitro, which was the Monday night show for WCW would do a replay on TSN on Tuesday. I believe you had Wednesday off, if memory serves me. You had Thunder on Thursday, SmackDown on Friday. You might have had the two of them, or it might have been a replay of one. But the point is you had the two shows, the two, two shows, and you had Sunday Night Heat. And you had WCW on Friday as well. Sorry, ECW on Friday as well, on TNN, before Roller Jam. Yeah. But how many wrestling shows did I just name off? Like four or five. Yeah. Raw was two hours. WCW was three hours. Uh, ECW was an hour. Sunday Night Heat was an hour. Uh, Thunder was two hours. I forgot about Sunday Night Heat. Yeah. It was good for a while. Um, and then and then SmackDown was two hours. How many Raw, hours is that, Dave? That's a lot of hours. I'm not going to do the math. but Yeah. The point is, that's how many hours of wrestling I was watching back then. Raw was my favorite. Raw was the best. In my Raw, was, Raw was a good show. I, I liked ECW. For its brief run, ECW had a good show. It was very different. It was very different in its style and thing. And there are some matches on there that I still remember that make me chuckle. Uh, I went back and watched some clips and I was like, yep, that's going to cause brain damage. Oh, and gosh. you will be dead within a couple of years. 
No, literally, one of the guys on this campus like, you will be dead within a couple of years. Wow. You will kill yourself. The other guy's still around because he's fucking crazy. But you will be dead within a couple of years. But may, mind you, if I go and play back for you a bunch of 90s wrestling, I can be like, so that guy's dead, and that guy's dead, and that guy's dead. Both of those guys are dead, and that guy's dead. That entire tag team, dead, and that guy's That's dead, true. and there's, that guy's dead. A... Yeah. And, and it's just guys the... like Ric Flair who you're like, how the hell are you still alive? Well, he tried to kill himself multiple times. <laughs> it wasn't for lack of effort. Um, also, Mick Foley. I, I think Mick Foley just had the, the, the right amount of crazy. Yes. P.S. Speaking of Mick Foley, random story. Go ahead. Uh, so you know about the website Cameo, right? I told I told you about Cameo. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I Mick Foley is available on Cameo. Of course. All right. Um, also, if you want Ric Flair to promo this show, five hundred bucks. But <laughs> you can you can pony up for that. <laughs> but um, he his beard like is just out of this world now. Like it's like you know like this. Mm-hmm. I believe it. I believe it. Like nuts. He, he's that kind of guy. That's that's what he would do. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So anyway, real quick, the main point that I was making is that when the two guys are doing the podcast, see, I can bring it back to what I was talking about. The two guys are doing the podcast. I enjoy seeing it through their eyes because they're coming back to it as adults. You know, they're even a couple, they're, they're like 15, 20 years older than we are in some cases. So they're looking at it though, from fresh eyes. They're, they're subscribed to the WWE network and all that. And they're excited about seeing some of the stuff they missed and I'm happy for them. But what's interesting to me, is that, like I said, in the mid-2000s or even earlier, I could have easily done a wrestling podcast every week and it would have been no problem. I could have talked for wrestling for hours because I knew that stuff cold. I yeah. still know it pretty well. You know, I was able to give you a lot of context from Survivor Series from 23 years ago. Even It's still here rattling around. But the funny thing is I don't watch a ton of wrestling anymore. I'll watch AEW because I enjoy their style. They're stylistically like the old wrestling that I used to enjoy. WWE's product to me right now is almost unwatchable. It's painful to watch. It's not like there isn't good talent. There is good talent, but it's hard to watch. But the point that I was going to make, one interesting thing, and this has always been an interesting thing for me, when it comes to something like WWE, I've led a million times talking about Vince McMahon. I've explained he is the goat of carny bullshit, but he's always been the goat of carny bullshit. And in reality, when you patronize the WWE product, you're patronizing carny bullshit. You're patronizing the kind of carny bullshit that got Owen Hart killed. You're you're praising the kind of carny bullshit that had a bunch of other people killed because they did a bunch of stupid things, got hurt, and down the road it shortened their lifespans. You are you're accepting the kind of carny bullshit that ruined lives. I'm not a super moral guy. I'm not a religious guy. I don't go to church and do whatever. I look at it from the perspective that I understood what. I, it's interesting for me watching them watch it with fresh eyes because it's like, I can't really watch it. It's not for a moral reason. It's because it's bad TV. I accepted that this is ba- that this person is not good and what he's doing is not good and you're patronizing something that's not good. But I was willing to watch as long as it was still entertainment. But I find it interesting to see how many people don't understand. They don't know what I know. I right. know all the skeletons in that closet. I accepted it. Because I was willing to watch as long as the show was entertaining. Because as far as I'm concerned, these are adults. You should know. You need to make a decision for yourself. But today, the same carny bullshit that still exists, it's different. It's been more um, commercialized, like they're a corporation now. But now the new version of carny bullshit is the games they play with people's lives because they're independent contractors. Mm. That's the new version of carny bullshit. Because... Now some of those WWE superstars, and this is recent, and I'm not going to get too much into depth, but short version. 
Some of those people have been doing some of their own side projects. They'll do like a YouTube channel or they'll do a Twitch or whatever, and they can make money. Paige is retired. She's young still. She's like in still like her mid mid to late 20s. She had to retire early from the ring because of neck injuries. Yep. And she does Twitch and she makes six figures a month on Twitch. Wow. She does super well. But now WBE is trying to force them to because of their arrangement of their contract. They're like, well, we own your name and likeness. And they're like, okay, I'll do it on my own name. It's like, oh, we own that too. So now some of these wrestlers have to go and look. It's like, I don't think you own my real name if I go by my real name. And they're like, but you're only famous because of WWE. So now they're going to have to, probably there's going to be a court battle. Oh gosh. But but they're trying to take proceeds of the Twitch channels. At first they were trying to shut down the Twitch channels and things. Now they're like, okay, fine. You can have the Twitch channel, but we own it. And they're like, it's mine. It's under my name. I did it myself. I built the audience. I'm doing the work. And it's like, well, we'll let you have a cut. So that's WWE's current thing. Now, in addition to everything else, they're like, yeah, we'll take a cut of the thing you came up with on your own and you made on your own. We want a piece of that too. Oh, and by the way, if you agree to that, it will be counted against your downside guarantee. Do you know what a downside guarantee is? No, tell me. When they do their contracts, they're only guaranteed a certain amount of money. That's the downside guarantee. That means if they're injured, that means if whatever, this is is the minimum they will get paid as long as they're still under contract and they're not cut. Yep. They're counting the Twitch money against the downside guarantee. So you're sitting there working, doing your own thing. Come on. And they're taking it away so that they don't have to pay you for the wrestling. Anything, basically. Yes. Fuck them, man. This is WB. This is Vince McMahon. This is what he does. And his wife works in the Trump administration. Well, she did. Not anymore. But yes. Well, you know. But the point, the bottom line is this. Again, I'm not I'm not looking at it from a moral perspective because I, I've been too far down that road. I can't make I can't speak from the moral high ground because I watched the show knowing full well. I knew I watched Over the Edge 1999. I watched Survivor Series 1997. I watched guys that were on the show one day and then were off the show because they were paralyzed. I know these things already. I've seen too much. I've seen too much. So I can't claim moral high ground because I was watching a long time. But it's interesting for folks that are new. It's like, should I tell them? <laughs> it's like, should I tell you what I know? Because I know a lot of stuff. I know some yeah. dark shit that WWE has been behind. And Vince McMahon has been behind a lot of dark shit. So it's interesting. It's one of those weird things. It's like, should I tell you? Because it would kind of ruin your enjoyment, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I think probably, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. In that case, ignorance is bliss. I can't cl- plead ignorance because I know. So now you know, Dave, so there's a lot of dark shit down there, man. A lot yeah. of dark shit. Even more than I initially realized, Carlos. And all the things I told you only scratch the surface. Holy uh, crap. Well, I think it's a good place to end, actually, for now. Yeah. But I feel like maybe we can make this a regular segment and or <laughs> semi-regular segment. And, you know, maybe it won't always take, you know, however long that took. I think we ended up talking about that more than anything else. But but it was uh, but it, hey, listen. it was entertaining. I was trying to inform Dave. Right? I'm trying to inform the youth here. I'm trying to. Are teach you the not youth. entertained? Yes, I'm trying to teach the youth here, man. Hey, listen, we got content, so there you go. So anyway, so if that's fine, so we'll we'll see what happens. Like we're playing around with formats and stuff. Like what we do, we can. So we still managed to get a decent episode out for you. Uh, I will get it up on the channel shortly. Uh, it'll be on the YouTube channel in short order, and then um, I'm not going to edit this. I'm going to leave whatever blanks in there were. I'm I'm, I'm too lazy. I'm too tired. Um, 
but it'll be on the channel and you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, I think, is going away. They've changed it now. I think it's like Google Podcasts or something else. And yeah, it's going to become under YouTube. become under YouTube, ironically. Love it. Yeah. So it's like, so d- double YouTube. So there you go. You should be subscribing to the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast YouTube channel because then you'll get the full effect. You'll get my hand gestures. You'll get Rolling Neymar. You'll get, you know, stuff like this. Got to have and, a couple of. And, you know, just more wrestling knowledge that you can visualize i'm dropping the knowledge bomb. did i not drop the knowledge bombs dave oh you do money you do and that's yeah i i carpet bomb the, the knowledge this time around anyway so that's it for me and dave we'll catch you uh we'll figure out what's, uh, what the next recording schedule is going to be but it should be i think back to more or less normal i think um so we'll be able to figure that out and then i'm sure we'll come up with some more stuff to talk about if not i'll just talk about some this man wrestling carny bullshit and i can i can do that for 45 minutes it'll be fine <laughs> all right sounds good so that'll be it for this episode we'll catch you in the next episode of the unnecessary nonsense podcast